2: Hello, everyone. This is Al Fadi, and uh, hopefully, you've been enjoying uh, the uh, most recent uh, videos of this series talking about the Quran uh, from different angles. Last time, we talked about how God used our uh, sister Hatun, uh, who is a 5'2, uh, to literally destroy this concept of perfect preservation of the Quran and uh, exposing the different Qurans and so on and so forth. But today, we're going to talk about yet another uh, mighty man of God, uh, Dr. Daniel Brubaker, who is 5'11. And uh, also, his work uh, is definitely uh, throwing basically a dagger into this concept of preservation of the Quran. With me here to continue our discussion uh, is our dear brother, Dr. Jay Smith. Dr. Jay, welcome back.
1: Good on you. Thanks for having me.
2: So, what is it about the
1: 511 now? man of God. Actually, he might be 5'10". I just kind of guessed it was 5'11". I just made him 5'11". I'm 5'11". Right I think he's just a little, let's say 5'10". So 5'2 and 5'10". Let's just okay. take a the slide and let's take a look at him. So this is Dr. Dan Brubaker. Those of you who have seen him, you probably know him. Look at the book that's there on the right. That's the book that's done all the damage. But that's from research that uh, he did for 10 years to do, get his PhD to begin with, and okay. subsequently since then, he has continued on. At the time he did his PhD in 2014, he had about 800 of these variants. Now he's up to 4,000 and still counting.
2: And I want to just say, I mean, people, we encourage you to buy this book and you'll see that never once Dr. Brobaker ever attacked Islam or attacked Muslims. He's just sharing the findings of his research. For the life of me, Dr. J, I have no idea why Muslims took it the wrong way and went on attacking him since day one.
1: Oh, that's obvious. Come on. Now stop and think through what you've just said. (laughs) <laughs> this has done so much damage. They have to attack it. There's no other recourse. They can't answer it. Um, Alta has written a book trying to. And that's and the it's reason. Just they cannot of, respond so to speak. it. They cannot really respond because it's visual. Let me just show you what I'm talking about. Now, he talks about 20 examples. Actually, there are 22 examples to be correct. What he's talking about are these. Insertions, erasers, coverings, and tapings. Let me give you some pictures of what we're looking at. So here are insertions. If you look, you can see there's a word right above here. That's a word that's been in inserted. You can see there's a word here that's been inserted above the line. If you look over on your side, just point to where the word has been inserted right, right there. This one, right so there. these words are inserted at a later time. What else does he have? Well, he also has what we call our erasers. There's an erasing, there's an eraser, and there you see... Right
2: here, you can see an eraser. It's, it's
1: obvious that they're now, they are censoring the text. They're standardizing the text. They're erasing something that was there earlier. And then you have erasers where they've written over top. So here you can see some letters that have been erased, and to the, kal, the kaf and the lamb have been put has been put over top. There you can see where they've erased it and they've written it in red. Right. And here is a whole word erased
2: and replaced with the word yes judun, you know, they bow down or they
1: prostrate. So these are erasers with written over top, so that's obvious censorship and they're actually redoing the text. And here you see an entire line that has been erased and written an entire sentence has been written over top. Here you can see they done with a different color. And, And it's very easy to spot,
2: by the way. Look at the style of writing. Look at the style of writing. I mean, it's very easy. You it's can funny.
1: see the undertext as well. So You can see what That's they did to erase. And there you can see another one in that example. And then what they these are probably the most damaging. And this is primarily mostly in the Husaini manuscript. You can see where they have covered. There's a covering. Look at this one here. There are eight different coverings. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It looks like chicken scratches when it's left behind. And right here I mean you
2: cannot miss the fact that there are
1: gaps as you jump from one word to the other. What's left behind in every case when they cover, what's left behind corresponds with the Huff's text corresponds with the Quran that we have today. So this was all intentional. This is all censorship at its worst. Here they have coverings where they've written over a top. Here you can see one, two, three, four, five coverings where they, in some cases, they've written over top. There you can see where they've written over top. There you can see where they've written over top. Here you can see a whole word that has been covered over there and over to your end. You can see a whole line that has been covered and then been written over top. And then what we call tapings. Now, when you look at this one here, it looks like maybe it's been damaged. But when you look at the backside of that square, he knows there's no damage whatsoever. So that is censorship. And where the tape, here's a tape, there's a tape, there's a tape over on your side. You can see one at the very top. Those are tapings. When you tape like that, you're centering the text. That's like covering. It's very similar the same way. What is fascinating is when he introduced this in 2014, he gave him to uh, 800 of these to me to, to debate Dr. Shabir Ali. Dr. Shabir Ali, and I were going to do a debate on this very thing, and what was interesting at that time, he had no idea. He had no. Uh, he he uh, Shabir Ali had no idea what I was going to introduce. He had never heard of this before. What Dr. Shabir Ali did when he heard about these coverings and these tapings and these these inserts, and he said, "Well, listen, I don't have to worry about this. When you look at the Quran today, uh, you'll take these nineteen verses." I'm sorry. You look at these set of verses and use these set of verses. You get the number nineteen. You look at these words with these words. You get the number nineteen. You look at this section of of text with this section of text. You get the number nineteen. 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 Jay, it's a miracle of God. I don't care about these these coverings. I don't care about these insertions. Don't t- waste my time with with all these erasers. 19. Prove to me now that it's not the word of God. So I went back and I asked him, okay, these set of words and this set of verses, which manuscript are you talking about? Exactly. There was no versification back in the seventh century when you're saying, in fact, none of these manuscripts have any verses. So what verses are you talking about? What order are you talking about? And these verse these manuscripts don't even have the same order that you were talking about. This 19 doesn't exist. So what manuscript are you referring to? What Quran are you referring to? It took me 19, him 19 minutes to give this whole <laughs> assertion. What a coincidence. I, Right. I, I measured. It was exactly 19 minutes. That's the miracle. I said, that's the miracle you've done. But after, it took him a long time to finally admit the manuscript or the Quran that he is talking about is the Quran, which was only really created in 796, the 8th century, but was only chosen as the official crown in 1924 for Cairo and made official for the whole world by the Saudi Arabian government in 1985. Once he had admitted that, his entire debate fell through. That was in uh, 2014, seven years ago, eight years ago now. After he went after that debate, it was so embarrassing to him that he had to finally write a nine-page rebuttal to me two weeks later and send it to me. He's never had to do that in any debate. Try to shut down all the anger that he was getting from all over the world. Because not only 700 people were at the debate itself, it has over 100,000 have watched the debate all over the world, and it's getting a probably close to 200,000 now that have watched it. Muslims are absolutely upset because he could not support it. Well, how would you defend this? And what does this say to you? I've now given it to you, i put it out there, what does it say to you in the last three or four minutes? You try to tell me huh, I mean, it's, it's the a, significance a, of this.
2: I, I can go through a number of things that could be interpreted from all of this. First, the process of uh, basically collecting the Quran was not a standardized process. Why? Because if they went back again to fix it, to make it, uh, you know, coincide with a specific reading, that mean there was no standard reading in the first place as we hear hafs, 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 all that kind of stuff. Number two, it's obvious that memory failed and you went back to fix things that were reliance on memory. How many times we've heard that the Quran, I mean, yesterday I was looked at a comment, oh, the Quran has been preserved in memory for 1400 years. Thank God we are so blessed. Really? Yeah. Which one was fixed,
1: you know? Yeah, which one was memorized.
2: <laughs> and then why wouldn't you discover something like this immediately after you wrote it? Like as a scribe, you would expect someone else to review it after you. It's obvious that everybody wrote whatever they
1: thought the Quran said. So what is the preservation and the perfect preservation now? See, to me this is much more damaging because right. this is the consonantal text. What we looked at the Geraf the Hatun Tashva is just dots and vowels that were put at a later date, eighth, ninth, and tenth century. Up until 905, from 736 up to 905, 700 different Qurans by 700 different men who all had their way of putting those dots and vowels. That is understandable. This you cannot, you cannot explain. You cannot slough this off and say, "Well, you had different men choosing different things." No, these are the original. Te- these are the original manuscripts. The you don't get anything earlier than these. These start from seven hundred five. Well, the under text would be maybe the late seventh century. Uh, the Birmingham folios, I'm willing to go back for, uh, to six fifty-five, sixty-eight to six forty-five, with if the carbon dating is correct. So that would be early seventh century. But that's just two folios. That's nothing to do with this because that has to do with Christian material. That has to do with Jewish material. This. This is the Quranic material that we're talking about that became the official Quran. By this time, when they're writing the Quran, and yet they make all these corrections. These are later corrections, these are later censorship. This is called standardization. You're trying to get the text so it is the same as the Hafs text that we use today, the official text that was used in the Ottoman period. The Hafs was the one that they chose proving that this all came after the fact. And if it came after the fact, that means that men have done this, because men are the ones that erase. Men are the ones that insert. Yeah, it's a product of men. Right there. This is the men are the ones that actually write over top. And you can saw in some of them, when you looked at them, you can see they were even done with different colors. If, if you look, I just want to show you back. Look at the slide again. Let me look here. Look at, you can even see here is one that is done in red. There's another one that's done in red. And then this
2: one was done at a later time, the the style of writing is not even close to the ancient way of writing. So how did they know that this is what Muhammad says? And what else is over? in that
1: one? It has fatta. It has a fatta. And it also has a direct, it has a diacritical marking and a dagger, of course. Dagger Aleph. Yeah. These did not exist in the seventh century. These did not even exist in the eighth century. So that is a much later, uh, a, a much later erasing with, in this case, overwriting over top of it. So you can see in this case, is, this is intentional. And when it's intentional, that means it's man-made. And when it's man-made, that means that eradicates any notion that this comes from God. That means any notion that this is Eternal, and that erases any notion that not one word or one letter has been changed. These are consonantal changes. These predate the diacritical changes. Amen. Thank you
2: so much, brother. Uh, and uh, hopefully, everyone uh, is enjoying all of this. Before we close, what are we expected to look at next? I want time? to
1: look at the 63 fragments that the Muslims claim existed within the first century of Islam, and we're going to debunk every one of them. Wonderful. Thank you so much, everyone. God bless.
2: Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message.
1: You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to cirainternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Hello, everyone.
2: Welcome back to a continuation of this discussion about the early Islamic history and, in particular, the Quran, early Qurans. We titled today's episode Why Basically 63 Fragments Do Not Comprise a Full Quran. 63 fragments are not a complete Quran. And anyone really with a logical way of processing things should know that, should know better not to take any fragments. I don't care if it was 163 or or 1,063 fragments. They are fragments. They do not make a whole. And with me here, of course, to process all of this is Dr. J. Smith. Dr. J. What are we talking about, first of all, about the 63 fragments, if okay, you want to some our historical
1: precedent We were down at Speaker's Corner, Hattu and I, to introduce Dan Brubaker's book in 2019. The day it came out in June of that time, uh, we wanted, or May, I think it was May 22nd, um, we wanted to introduce the book. I got up on the ladder. Whenever I go down to Speaker's Corner, the Muslims make a beeline for me. And there was Mansur Ahmad, there was, I saw Ali Dawa there, I saw Muhammad Hijab. They were all there in the Muslim crowd, but they weren't coming over to my ladder because they didn't know what to do with this material. And you could see they finally pushed, uh, I think it was uh, um, Mansur Ahmad. I don't know if he was pushed, but he finally did have to come over to our ladder, stuck his ladder next to me to try to confront me with these. And as he was confronting with me with these manuscript variants, uh, he made a claim. He made the claim, to, and it's all on film. And he said, listen, Mr. Smith, we don't have to worry about these manuscript variants because we can trace all the way back to Muhammad, the Quran verse by verse, every verse we can trace right back to Muhammad. I said, I quickly stopped what I was saying, turned to him and said, you can? Can you tell me what manuscripts you're talking about? Can you tell me what Quran you're referring to? What Quran can be traced back to Muhammad? And he stopped and said, okay, okay, Uthman, Uthman. He didn't mean Muhammad, he meant Uthman. 652. I said, okay, fine. Can you show me where this manuscript is from the time of Uthman? Even one? And then he's paused. He said, well, okay, he, he was, you could see he could not, he didn't know what to say. So I said, okay, let me help you out. How about the 7th century? Can you show me one from the 7th century? That's 699. He says, you're not listening to me. What I did say is in the first century of Islam. Well, he just introduced that into the discussion. First century of Islam, that's 719. 622 to 719. So that's 8th century. All right, fine. Can you show me a complete Quran by 719? So three different steps I kept backing him up. Got to 719. And he said, I can show you 96. He said oh, about 97% of the Quran. 97% of the Quran? I said, where is it? He said, We have now the ninety-seven percent of the Quran by 719. What was he talking about? Let's go to the let's go to the uh slides and see what he's talking about. See, Mansur Ahmad is in charge uh or is one of those responsible for all the manuscript. That, that they have in uh, Islamic awareness, which is the largest Muslim website that has a repository of all the manuscripts. It's the best one in the world. It's from Cambridge University, and he is the one that is is one of, not responsible, but one of those responsible for these manuscripts. So he's referring to this graph right here. This is the graph that you'll see there on their website, and it's 63 fragments that he's talking about. This is the 96 percent. It's not 97 percent. It's 96 percent of the Quran that they they have been able to find by 719. So within the first century of Islam, from 622 to 719, they have found these 63 fragments. Take a look at them. Uh, that one up there is the 2165. That is the manuscript. It's, it's the biggest of all the fragments. The British and Library one. British Library one. We looked, saw it, saw it uh, in a previous episode. It is about 50% of the Quran. So that's the best they've got. And then you start getting on. there The one that you're looking at, The you can see some of the Dam The dam 129. That is your Sana manuscript. That's right, yeah. And And there's one, two, three of them that are up here. Look at those. Those are all they're saying before 719. So I wanted to find out if these were correct, because if you look down, you come all the way down to here and you see at the very bottom, these are just about half a verses or even one verse or two verses. These, These are small little fragments. Most of them are fragments but I wanted to see if this is correct. I'd like to know. And I said, that's fascinating. So I sent my team to go and look at it. Uh, Dr. Pat Andrews was the one that did the major part of research on this. And he went through every one of these 63 manuscripts, what he th- was assuming, these were full manuscripts. No, these were just one verse here, a little verse there, maybe three verses here, maybe half a, half a sentence here, all the way up to the which is the best they've got. This is what he found. When you look at that, 20 of these. See the ones I'm putting up there now? The ones in green arrows? 20 of these are what we would know as tentatively. ones We're not really sure. And these are the ones at least the scholars have looked at, and they are tentative. They don't really know for sure if they are before 719 or after, so they're tentative. So they really should have been using these. And then nine of them, look at the ones, the blue arrows going up right now, including the mild one, the one, the biggest one, the tallest one at the top. It is after 719. These are all all after. They should never even use those, those nine. And what about the the last 34? The last 34, the red arrows are going up. No one has done any work on. So how is it they're using them? That's right. They didn't look to any research. They had nothing to source what they were saying. They had nothing to back up what they were saying. They needed these verses. So they went to this marriage to get this verse. They went to this fragment to get that verse. They went to this fragment to get these other verses. And they put it all together. They needed these 63 to get uh, 96% of the Quran. They didn't think anybody was going to check them up. They didn't think any of us were actually going to do some our own homework. What that means, if you look at it, none of these are really valid. Not one of these are really valid because they're either tentative or they are much later or no one's done any work on them. So, since all of them are either later or tentatively dated or have no supporting evidence, let's continue and what we say. What we're noticing is there is no complete Quran even within the first century. That's right. If they can only come up with 63 fragments to make 96% of the Quran, that's a huge admission right there. And that was brilliant. I love that he did this. Because now we can show him when, when every time Muslims, when you're I'm talking to you Muslims, every time you start to say that you have 96% of the Quran, I'm gonna hammer you on that because you need to be tell us what the dates of those manuscripts are. The Muslims have had to collect 63 fragments of the Quran to find even ninety-six percent of the by 719. Yet almost all of them are tentative or have no supporting evidence for early dates. Some of their dates even go into the 9th and 10th centuries. <laughs> they have not studied even. And here's what's interesting. They don't even know whether these 63 fragments actually parallel the Hofstetter's. That's true. I mean, you still need to do more studies on that. Not only that, even the mild, and the Ma'il comes after 719. It is later than the early 8th century. But the vast majority of these are all from the 8th century, the ones that we do know. So, how in the world can they make the claim, and what is missing from all this? I want to know where Uthman's Quran is. Remember why I said this at the very beginning? Right. Where is our Muthmanic text? Where is the, are those five manuscripts that we looked at the very beginning 63 fragments do not make a Quran so how did they get the text they use today let's look at the next slide the text that they use today is called the Hafs text and that was chosen by this character Muhammad ibn Ali al al-Hadari in 1924, they're in Cairo because they had a dilemma in the high school. The high schools were asking for standardized texts on the Quran and student after student after student, whenever they asked for this verse or that verse to answer a question, they were giving different verses that didn't have the same meaning. And of course that caused a dilemma. How can you have standardized tests if people have different answers? So they went to Muhammad al to say, could you choose one of these 30, one of these 30 official texts they had been chosen by Ibn Mujahid in 936. Six had been chosen. 14 had been chosen by Al-Shatabi in 1194. And another six were chosen by Al-Jazadi in 1429. That's 15th century. That's 800 years after Muhammad. Muhammad Ali Hussein chose the one that the Ottomans had chosen. So he chose the Hafs text. That was the only reason. He should have chosen one from... Uh, from Medina or Mecca. He forgot to do that. He chose one from Kufa that was written in 796. So that was written in 796 for the for the schools in Cairo that the, situ, the dilemma had been, been eradicated. They now had a text they could use. That became so successful because they took all the other manuscripts that disagreed. They took them out into a boat on the Nile River and they dumped them into the Nile, thinking that, that would get rid of the other 29. No, it didn't. Because all over the world, they were using the other 29 in different geographical locations, including the wash text, which is used all across North Africa. And that has still been used across North Africa today. About 3% of all Muslims use the wash, which has 5,000 differences with the Huff's text. Nonetheless, it became so successful Cairo by using one manuscript, uh, one text, one derivation, the Huff's text, that in 1936 then, uh, they then made it the official text for all of Egypt, for the whole country of Egypt. And they call it the Farouk edition because that's the year that King Farouk came to power. That's right. That became so popular, Al-Fadi, that in 1985, King Fahd uh, who was in power at that time? He'd been in power since 1982, so he'd been in power for three years. He saw what was happening in Egypt, and he decided, "Whoa, wait a minute! We could do the same thing for the whole world. We're the official. We're the ones that control the 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 holy places. We are therefore going to make the Huff's text the official text for the entire world." Why didn't they make the official text the 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 ones that were there for that that were uh, that we do know that came from? Mecca and Medina. And what text are we talking about there? I'm just going to go and show it if I have it here. Uh, Let me look for it. I'm just, here we go. Look at here. Put the slide up and you'll see. And look at the slide here. Whoops, let's go back. And I want to go here and I want to go to this slide. Bring that up. There's the seven readers. Here's the 14 transmitters. And there are the six uh, uh, kiddots. Lotus. They should have used Nafi or Ibn Kathir. Over on your side, the green ones are, because those are from Mecca and Medina. Why didn't they choose Nafi or Ibn Kathir?
2: I mean, obviously, uh, I think we talked about it before.
1: It seemed like they were focused more on popularity. Absolutely. Yeah. It had nothing to do with authority. No one even opened one page to read one word or one sentence. They just chose who was the most popular. And Huffs was the most popular because the Ottomans had chosen him. That's what it comes down to. The book we're using today was chosen 1987, 37 years ago, which means both you and I are older than the Quran. Amen to that. Thank you, brother.
2: Thank you, everyone. Till next time, have a blessed day.